Hey bubs, welcome back to a brand new episode of Talkin' Snicked, the Wolverine Show. It's the best podcast there is at what it does, and what it does best is tell you about Wolverine. I'm your host Ryan, today's episode is a continuation of our March theme of Silver Samurai. Last week we took a look at this character's comic book debut in the pages of Daredevil number 111. We also took a look at his first major adventure as a villain working for Viper. And today we are continuing that relationship as we take a look at Silver Samurai's first clash with Xavier's mutant group, the New Mutants. We are covering volume one of New Mutants, numbers five and six. So, Bubs, Volume 1 of New Mutants was a comic book series that I hadn't read until just a few years ago. It was not a series that I read growing up. By the time I was getting into comics in the 90s, New Mutants had already been replaced by X-Force, you know, the cable-led team that saw some of the original New Mutants team kind of become his new disciples, you know, his new followers, his, uh, his strike team, if you will. And I, it's one of those where I do kind of wish that I had the opportunity to read this when I was a teenager. I think that I really would have been able to identify with a lot of these characters. And I feel like I missed out on some of that. That being said, if you've not read volume one of The New Mutants, then you are doing yourself a disservice. So make sure if you have the chance to, uh, if you have Marvel Unlimited, or if you've been able to collect it in trades, definitely give this series a read. Uh, it's really solid all the way through the Claremont issues. Um, and even when Louise Simonson comes and takes over the writing of this book, it stays good. I feel like some of the art was a bit up and down after Louise Simonson took over with a couple of different artists coming and going. And there's one in particular, I'm not going to mention the artist's name, but it's an art style that I don't particularly care for. Uh, it's a bit cartoony and exaggerated and the characters just seem to have very strange proportions, but that's just my personal taste. I know that this artist happens to have a, a pretty solid fan base anyway. But yeah, that's that's kind of my short review for New Mutants Volume 1. Definitely worth reading. Uh, very different than, uh, than what the book became once it changed titles and became X-Force. Very, very different. Uh, but great characters. And one of the things that I liked about New Mutants is it didn't I mean, it did, but it didn't seem to have these these big overarching storylines and all of the drama. I mean, again, it obviously it did have a lot of the drama, but it was very different. You know, it was teenage drama. It was a lot more lighthearted, except for when it wasn't. Uh, but for the most part, you know, you, you do get these characters written as teenagers. And so a lot of the dramatic things are overplayed and not overplayed in that they're they seem fake. It's just the way that teenagers approach things. You know, everything is a, is an end of the world kind of, of scenario because they don't have that experience that, you know, things do in life, they do tend to go up and down. And that's just how life happens to be. Sometimes you're down on the, on your luck. Other times you're, you're happy go lucky when things tend to go bad for 
teenagers, it is very much, you know, doom and gloom because it's the worst thing that, that they've ever had to experience up to that point in their lives. So over the course of these two issues, we do see a lot of that, you know, life and death sort of stuff when the stakes really aren't at that bad, you know, there, there, there tends to be a lot of overreactions when, when it comes to teenagers. And plus, you know, I liked the added aspect that they weren't fully in control of their powers yet. They were still learning how to do all of that. Uh, and, and the way that we got to see these characters grow is they're, they're constantly put into these weird scenarios where it kind of happens to be wrong place, wrong time. And they just get roped into these adventures. And these two issues is that sort of scenario. You know, the first four issues were uh, a, a pretty good, a pretty self-contained arc of, you know, how the team comes together after they've all met up. You know, the, the first appearance of the New Mutants wasn't the New Mutants number one. It was Marvel graphic novel. And I should have written this down, but I'm going off the top of my head. Marvel graphic novel number four, maybe. Uh, that was the first appearance of all of these characters and kind of how they came together as a group and became the new mutants at the Xavier school. And then the first arc of their title was kind of how they all kind of click together. We kind of see uh, one of the characters, Shan kind of take on the leader role because she's the oldest member of the team. Most of these mutants are, are 13, 14 years old. And, and Shan is kind of in her late teens by this point. She's a lot more experienced in using her mutant powers and that sort of thing. So she kind of becomes the, the de facto voice of reason and experience on this team. Although by the end of that first arc, we're starting to see the older two members of the group, uh, Shan notwithstanding, of Danny Moonstar and Sam uh, Guthrie, step into those kind of leadership roles. They kind of become co-leaders on this team. Although when it's a team of, you know, four or five, <laughs> it's not really co-leaders. It's just, you know, these are the two that the younger ones follow and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so this issue, at least the first one, uh, and when we get to number six, we'll take a look there as well. But the writer was Chris Claremont. The penciler was Sal Busema. The finisher, that means the inker, was Bob McLeod. We have letters from Tom Orzakowski and colors from Glynis Ween. And and this is the team that kind of sticks to the book fairly early on. Eventually a new artist comes on, a couple new artists come on throughout the Claremont run. But yeah, this is these first couple issues. Uh, and you probably recognize Claremont and Busema is also being the same group that was handling all of the Marvel team-up stuff in this era as well. So it makes sense that, you know, once they close out their arc of Viper and Silver Samurai kind of going up against Nick Fury and Spider-Man and Black Widow and Shang-Chi, um, and then eventually Spider-Woman, that they would pull those same characters into the New Mutants. They were probably like, hey, you know, we, we finished this three-issue arc and we like these, these villains and we kind of want to continue pushing them forward. So we're working on New Mutants together now. Why don't we just pull these guys in. And so this issue begins with Xavier, who at this point in the comics was, uh, he had hooked up with Lelandra. Lelandra had come to earth way back during the, all the Phoenix saga stuff. And then when the X-Men found themselves in space, once again, uh, they continued Xavier and Lelandra continued that relationship. 
And at this point, Lilandra is living on Earth with Xavier. This is like post-Brood Saga, I think. Um, and also, the uh, the X Men were believed dead by the New Mutants at one point. I'm I'm sure that I'm I'm messing up my timeline here. But either way, Xavier is back on Earth. He's uh, he's trying to work on his, you know, re regaining the ability to walk. Uh, that's kind of what he's working on right now. And the first, very first page is Xavier kind of falling to the ground in pain as he was trying to walk. And the lander comes in and just tells him, you know, it's, it seems that this is all in your mind. The fact that you can't walk, this pain that you're feeling, it's all psychosomatic. And so Xavier is telling her like, yeah, I just, you know, unfortunately I have these feelings and I can't put them away. So I just, you know, I feel helpless and all this. Um, and at that point is we kind of realize that after that first arc of new mutants, Xavier, who has Stevie Hunter kind of in charge of, of taking care of them and stuff, he has actually sent them to like the local fair, the local carnival with Stevie Hunter watching them. And so that's when we check in on our new mutants team who are at this carnival in New York. They're playing all the various carnival games, you know, throwing the baseball at the milk jugs, trying to knock them down. There's like a stunt pilot here. And so Danielle and Roberto decide it would be fun to go up in this plane. And so the stunt guys making them do all these loop-de-loops and stuff, and they're having a grand old time. And after that, they're kind of taking a break and they realize that there's this group of like motorcycle riding daredevils at this fair as well. And this is a group called Team America. At least at the time, that's what they were called. Eventually, they had to change the name of this motorcycle riding daredevil group to the Thunder Riders. And the reason for that is in the early 1980s, we know that Marvel was doing G.I. Joe comics, and I believe they were doing Transformers comics. And that's because they had a deal with, I think, Hasbro toys at the time were the was the owner of, of those two toy brands and so they had a contract with marvel where marvel would create comic books you know based on this property and i don't know how the revenue and all that worked but it was like a, a joint venture where marvel had this license and they created these comics i don't know you know who approached whom first but that's how it was well marvel also had a deal with another toy company called the ideal toy company and I wish that I looked up, you know, Ideal Toy Company and, and told you some of the properties that this company had, but I didn't. You know, this is a Silver Samurai episode, not a Team America episode, so you're lucky I'm even telling you this stuff. But Ideal Toy Company owned the Team America, which they were this, like I said, this daredevil stunt group of, of motorcycle riders. And so Marvel was featuring these characters in a licensed comic called Team America, and they happen to be making an appearance in this two-issue storyline. So here they are at this carnival, or at least three of the members. It turns out there's like five or six members of this team. I'm not really even going to get into the names. Well, I will. One of them is named Cowboy. One of them is named Wolf. One of them is named something else. There's a couple others. There's one named Honcho, I think. That might be what one of the characters calls them. Either way, uh, the New Mutants see them. And of course, Roberto, who in the New Mutants comics, Roberto is like 
the the character that you identify with the most you know he's the one that's kind of into the pop culture there's as you read throughout this entire series you find out that roberto is a big fan of magnum pi and so there's always magnum pi references thanks to him obviously he's the one here who who recognizes uh, team america he's kind of the pop culture dude like if you were a teenager in the early 80s and you were immersed in pop culture of the day, then every reference that Roberto makes, you would get it. And not every character is like that. You know, Sam, his background is, even though he's a teenager, he's from, you know, backwoods Kentucky, where he worked in the coal mines with his father, and he had a family that was super big because his parents had a lot of kids, and so he's got a lot of siblings. You know, it's one of those, you know, working class families. Uh, Shan is an expatriate from Vietnam, I guess, probably a refugee of the war, perhaps, or at least was at a young age and so has grown up. Uh, Rain Wolfsbane, she is from Scotland, where she was raised by like a minister, a reverend, where she was, you know, very uh, close, very closed off kind of upbringing. So you have all these characters who... uh, aren't really quite into the pop culture and and Roberto is kind of the the character that brings that to this team. And of course he's the one, like I had mentioned that he recognizes team America. And so he goes over to talk to them and, and get autographs. You know, he, he's a big fan of these, of these daredevils, these, these motorcycle riders. They're not all daredevils. Some of them are racers. Some of them do tricks. Some of them do, uh, you know, street racing, some of them do, I guess, motocross. I don't know if you do that on motorcycles or dirt bikes, but whatever. Either way, you know, that's kind of, they all have their their different specialties. Um, and unfortunately, you know, two of the two of the members are like, oh yeah, we're happy to, to give autographs and stuff. And then one of them, Wolf, is naturally, you know, the, the sourpuss of the group, the grump. And uh, he immediately bumps heads with with Roberto because, you know, Roberto is that same kind of hot headed character who is, you know, doesn't have use for strangers and stuff, you know, and just always assumes that he's he's the best around. So they kind of bump bump heads a little bit. Wolf refuses to to give an autograph. Anyway, as the new mutants are there kind of interacting with these guys, we see that someone else is spying on Team America from afar. And eventually we learn that this person who is spying on Team America is none other than Viper, you know, the former Madam Hydra, who has now become kind of just like a mercenary for hire slash terrorist. And it turns out she's either been hired for a job or it's her it's her job that she's doing herself. Uh, But she is needing to kidnap team america unfortunately the new mutants don't know that and so they follow team america into the arena where team america is doing a bunch of tricks you know they're they're jumping the motorcycles over a bunch of parked vans and that sort of stuff they're they're racing around and everything and and while they're while this is going on an attack happens so we have these three guys are riding their motorcycles around this arena it's suddenly an explosion and it kind of knocks all the riders off their bikes at first and the arena is stormed by these hydra looking goons you know guys wearing green with like yellow visors and very futuristic looking firearms probably laser blasters of some sort 
and they come running into the arena and they, they mention, you know, like the rest of you move in on team America. We're going to make sure that no one in the grandstand, you know, no one in the stands is going to come down here and, and try to play the hero. You know, unfortunately for this group, they don't realize that the new mutants are in attendance. And at first Shan is kind of telling all the other new mutants like, Hey, don't, don't jump in there. Don't, we don't want to blow our cover or whatever. Uh, but unfortunately for them, you know, they, they kind of need to intervene. They need to jump in and, and help team America, but they also need to make sure that they're protecting the people in the stands from getting hurt. Luckily, all the people in the stands are like evacuating, you know? And so that's enough for Shane to go. All right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's jump into action. I should probably explain the new mutants. And I don't know who's listening to a Wolverine podcast and isn't a big enough X-Men or mutant fan to, to not know who the new mutants are. But in case you don't, uh, we have Roberto da Costa. His name is Sunspot. He like stores solar energy and he can use that to become super strong. Um, not like Colossus where he's impervious. He's actually still very vulnerable. Uh, he just happens to be able to like boost his strength. It gives him a big strength boost where he can like pick up a car and throw a car, that sort of thing. Uh, Shan is known as karma. She has the ability to like take control of another person's mind, uh, kind of like using them as sort of a puppet. We have Sam, who I mentioned uh, earlier. His ability is that, well, his code name is Cannonball. And so he can actually propel himself through the sky as his own kind of a jet propelled Cannonball, you know, a projectile. And while he's blasting around, uh, he's also impervious to harm. So he can like blast through a solid wall and not hurt himself or whatever. Uh, and then last on the team who is in attendance, well, I guess not last. Uh, another one on the team is. Uh, Rain Sinclair, also known as Wolfsbane, and she can transform into a wolf or like somewhere in between as a human wolf hybrid, kind of like a little werewolf. Um, and then Danielle Moonstar, she at this point is known as Psyche, and she has the ability to project images of either like your greatest desire or your worst fear. Uh, that's kind of where they're at right now, obviously, with some of these abilities being telepathic in nature eventually as the characters get older and grow they're able to develop their powers in other ways but that's kind of the gist of where they are right now you know this is still early in their series this is still early in their life they're still learning how to use their powers but that's kind of the gist of who all of these characters are so the first one to take action is sam and that generally is the case um, unless it's roberto throwing the first punch which more often than not is the case, but yeah, usually when they jump into action kind of as a concerted effort as a team, Sam is usually the first one to get in there, mostly just because his power gives him the mobility to. So he powers up, he kind of cannonballs right through this group of mercenaries who are working for Viper, knocks a bunch of them down. Um, at that point, Team America is like, oh, look at that. Someone in the audience is, you know, coming to our rescue. Holy cow. So they all use this you know, the, the momentary lapse by these, uh, these mercenaries, they use that distraction to jump on their motorcycles and begin going around as well. Um, they start knocking some of these goons over too. Uh, there are unfortunately some goons in the stands who decide it's time to turn their firearms against team America. But at that point, karma is able to uh, take control of one, one of these guys and has him kind of blast the few other people. And, uh, and that's kind of it, you know, at that point, uh, 
it's it's just a full fledged battle uh, at the at, at that point, and you know, Rain turns into a werewolf. Roberto's using his power to punch all these people, and uh, at that point, Viper is like, "Well, I was hoping that you know it would just be Team America because it turns out they're actually on this mission to uh, flush out the mysterious Guardian Angel." known as the Dark Rider. So when Team America is in danger, he's kind of like Racer X from Speed Racer, right? So whenever Team America is in danger, this guardian angel sort of appears on a motorcycle to kind of save the day. And he's known as the Dark Rider because he wears this dark costume, I guess probably like just, you know, a black helmet with a black mask and black jacket and black pants and all that stuff and he just kind of appears out of nowhere and he's this this amazing rider and he's able to save the day for team america so we kind of find out at this point that viper was hired to attack team america in order to get the dark rider to show up and because the new mutants have intervened we actually don't need the dark rider. So unfortunately Viper has to play her next card, which is to send in her associate, her bodyguard, her right-hand man, the silver samurai. So the silver samurai comes in, he knocks karma out. He, uh, he actually dodges a cannonball from cannonball. Um, he hears him coming. And so he's able to kind of sidestep him and, and, whack him with the sword like on the side of the head which like i mentioned that makes sam impervious but it does throw him off course and sam ends up crashing into the stands and instinctively when he gets hit he kind of stops cannonballing which actually makes him go back to not being impervious i don't know what the antonym for impervious is pervious that that doesn't sound right anyway so he crashes into the grandstand after he stops you know blasting and he he gets knocked unconscious. So that's you know two two characters out so far. Uh, at this point, Team America themselves tries to get involved. Uh, Wolf grabs one of the guns from one of the goons and tries to shoot the Silver Samurai, who hits him with a shuriken. And at that point, finally, we see the Dark Rider has appeared at last. You know, once the New Mutants start getting taken out, and it appears that. Team America is now in danger again of being kidnapped, I guess. Uh, the Dark Rider appears. He races headfirst towards the Silver Samurai, who charges up his blade the way I was mentioning last week. The Silver Samurai's mutant power is to channel energy into his blade, which allows him to cut through any substance. And so he, again, sidesteps and chops off the front wheel of the Dark Rider's motorcycle. And then as the Dark Rider, who... I mentioned is like, you know, this really great, I get dared. I mean, he pretty much has all the powers of all of these really great writers. You know, he's the, the best of, of all of team America. Uh, he manages, even though he doesn't have a front tire, he manages to land and just kind of ride the motorcycle, like as a wheelie. Uh, and so at that point, the silver samurai has to throw a few more shuriken at the motorcycle, hitting the fuel tank and causing it to, crash and explode he runs over he grabs the dark rider although when he takes the helmet off the dark rider we new mutants readers see that it is actually danielle moonstar it's danny as the dark rider and that shocks 
the silver samurai he sees like a, a teenage girl like what the heck the, a teen girl is the dark rider that's crazy uh but unfortunately you know at that point the rest of the new mutants who are not unconscious which is roberto and rain they begin to converge on the silver samurai and they go to stop him but the silver samurai thanks to that one uh, marvel team-up issue that had like the <laughs> that had the saturday night live crew in it, which I did confirm is Marvel Team Up 74. It's not on Marvel Unlimited. It's too bad. I kind of want to look it up now. Either way, at the end of that issue, I guess the Silver Samurai gets thrown in jail. And in uh, Marvel Team Ups 80, is it 83 through 85, uh, when Viper breaks him out of jail, it actually mentions that she breaks him out of jail at the end of that issue uh, and like gives him back his teleportation ring, which is what he had stolen from john belushi um anyway so he's in possession of this uh, teleportation ring and even though he would love to stand and fight uh he feels that the new mutants have at least earned his respect enough to fight them uh that's not his mission his mission is to get the dark rider and get out of there so now that he's in possession of of danny he teleports away and the rest of the new mutants kind of band together and realize that Danny is gone. You know, they didn't see her during the battle. She's gone. It seems that Shan is super wounded, possibly even concussed from getting smacked on the side of the head by the silver samurai's uh, scabbard or sheath. I, there's actually a name, a specific name for it that, you know, the samurai use and I'm, and I'm drawing a blank and it's like, shame on me. I'm a huge Usagi Yojimbo fan. And I know that Usagi is constantly talking about those. Uh, and I'm just drawing a blank on what the, you know, the Japanese samurai term is for your scabbard. And, and, and now I feel like a, like I'm a goon myself. Oh, well, either way, uh, when he hit Shan, he, uh, he concussed her. And so the, the scene changes at this point it says elsewhere later. And so now we get to check in on Danny, who of course had been taken by Viper and Silver Samurai. And she'd be, she's been placed in this like big room, kind of like a danger room with a motorcycle. And suddenly these like spiked wheels shoot out of the wall towards Danny. And we hear a voiceover that's like, this is a test girl. And the only way you can save yourself is if you hop on that motorcycle and, you know, ride to safety which Danny tries to do and she can't figure out how to get the motorcycle started and eventually has to jump off and out of the way of these spiked spinning wheels. And at that point, the, this thing kind of stops, you know, and the silver samurai comes in and he's like, you know, follow me girl. And the silver samurai leads Danny upstairs into some sort of a laboratory of sorts. And there we see Viper and, Viper's telling her like, here's the deal. I was supposed to kidnap the dark rider. You were there as the dark rider, but I don't get it because you were riding this motorcycle like a friggin' champ. And here you are, you can't even get it started when you're in danger. And so Viper is trying to figure out like what the heck is going on. And at that point, Danny's like, all right, well, while this chick is monologuing to me, um, I might as well see if I can escape, right? I mean, what else am I going to do? So she reaches in and she uses her superpower to project, you know, Viper's greatest fear, which in this case is her past. You know, Viper's greatest fear is her past, not to get too into her backstory, but she comes from like a war-torn country 
in um, South Central Europe uh, in light of what's going on in today's world. I don't want to get too into it just for the sake of not triggering anyone, but Viper had a rough childhood. Uh, and so at that point, she's like, all right, Viper's had enough of this. She smacks Danny, knocks her unconscious and says, all right, well, for that, I'm going to have to take out my revenge, which means, you know, slowly destroying your whole life. Uh, at that point, we then go back to Xavier's mansion and Xavier is talking with the new mutants and some other guy. Uh, and they're trying to figure out like what happened. You know, they know that Danny's missing. They know that Shan was injured and they know that team America was involved somehow. And they also know that the silver samurai was involved. And so Xavier is working with, I guess, someone from shield. Uh, Colonel Rossi, I guess is a, he, he's, he, he's dressed like he looks like he's a shield agent. And so they're, they're talking about the silver samurai. And this is like the first time we really get, the backstory, uh, the identity reveal of the Silver Samurai. And we find out that his name is Kenichiro Harada. He is known as the Silver Samurai. He is the Viper's right-hand man. He is a master of martial arts, and his primary weapon is an energy sword. We also learn that the Viper currently is uh, believed to have been killed in recent episode or episodes recent issues of captain america of course we know that's not true because we saw her in the marvel team up as a villain for that three-part story and then we also talk about the dark rider so again whenever team america is in serious trouble he appears only when needed and only for as long as needed he's a champion writer electronics expert thief and they name a bunch of other stuff Luckily, since Roberto and Rain were not unconscious when the Silver Samurai left with the Dark Rider, they were able to see that it was actually Danny dressed as the Dark Rider who was taken by the Silver Samurai. Um, and at that point, they are trying to figure out why they took the Dark Rider, why they took Danny, what the link is between all of these groups, the New Mutants, Team America and Viper and her organization. So Xavier has an idea. He jumps into Cerebro and begins tracking someone down and almost immediately kind of solves the riddle. And although he doesn't clue the reader in because that means that he would be explaining to the new mutants what's going on. And we all know that Professor Xavier doesn't like to uh, tell his students what's happening. He prefers to leave them in the dark, if at all possible. But our scene then takes us to Washington, D.C., to the home of someone named Mr. McDonald. And this guy, Mr. McDonald, is asleep in his bed when Viper and Silver Samurai wake him up. And basically what they do is they tell him, here's the deal. You are like the former leader of Team America. And here's what we're going to have you do. You are going to, you know, get the band back together and you're going to go on this mission for us. You see, there's this thing in the Sierra Madre Mountains in Mexico, an object that needs to be stolen. And apparently it can only be stolen like this thing where this thing is kept. This place where this thing is can only be reached 
by motorcycle apparently like i still after reading these two issues don't really understand why exactly viper had to kidnap the dark rider in order to make them i just i still don't figure out like why they were needed other than i think someone at marvel is like hey chris uh we know that you're writing new mutants, uh, but we have this deal with ideal toys. So like shove this group into these two, these next two issues or else, you know, figure out a way either way. I, I don't think it's ever exactly explained why Viper needs them. I guess like she was hired to kidnap the dark rider in order to steal this item again, like silver samurai has a teleportation ring. Why he can't just teleport in, grab this item, teleport out. They're done. Like she obviously trusts the silver samurai to get the job done. Uh, I hope that when I read these, it explained it and I'm just forgetting as I'm going through these issues and that I'll remember as I go through and be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's why she had to, to do it this way. <laughs> but as I'm relating these issues, I, I, I'm not remembering off the top of my head, like why they ever had to get team America involved in the first place anyway so viper and silver samurai they go into this guy's house they're like you're the the leader of this group you're going to get the band back together you're going to go into mexico you're going to ride to this place you're going to go into this fortress thing you're going to steal this object you're going to ride out and then you're going to give us the item because that's what we want and the of course the team america guy's like um <laughs> why would i do that like you you just come in here and tell me to do it but like Obviously, you guys are bad guys if you're telling me to steal stuff and do all this. And she goes, oh, well, you know, you're going to do it because I'm blackmailing you. You see, I have this teenage girl who I've kidnapped. And even though you don't know her, you have no uh, connection to this person whatsoever. Because you're a good guy, you're not going to let anything bad happen to this innocent girl. And if you don't help me, something bad will happen. So she blackmails him with like a complete stranger. Of course, she has it right. You know, he is a good guy. So of course he is going to do what she says so that she doesn't harm this innocent person. So the very next scene, this guy who, uh, again, we find out his name is Honcho and he's the leader of Team America. We actually find out that within the hour, it says Honcho has pulled the whole team together we see wolf and cowboy and red or whatever and he's also grabbed like one more guy the team's mechanic named wrench and his bride georgiana they all arrive at this dude's house and he's telling them like here's the deal this lady and this other dude they were in my bedroom and they said they kidnapped this girl and if we don't help them they're gonna you know th they're gonna make sure this girl sleeps with the fishes if we don't help uh, and it's at this time they're having this debate like, well, you know, should we get involved? Do we even know there is a girl? And, and even if there is, like, is it really our responsibility to make sure this girl is safe and blah, blah, blah. They're having this, you know, philosophical debate, this thing on whether or not they should actually, you know, reconvene this team and, and actually go ahead and, and, and go with it. This odd plan to go down to Mexico and steal this item from this fortress. But at that point, there's a knock on the door and they answer the door to find Charles Xavier and the new mutants. And they've pretty much arrived saying, okay, I Xavier's explaining to them. I figured out who the dark rider is. It turns out you guys are all mutants and your combined mutant power is that 
when one of you or all of you are in danger, you're able to put all of your combined talents together into one spirit thing that then inhabits a random body. Now it could be one of your bodies or it could be the body of some person who's walking down the street next to you. And he tells him like, Hey, that's your mutant power. Your mutant power is that you guys have this like weird group. He's, he says it's a projecting gestalt. I'm probably saying that wrong, uh, but that's what their ability is. They, they can put all of their powers together into this weird spirit thing that and then inhabits the body of someone else and you know his his powers the dark rider's powers are the uh, is are greater than the sum of its parts it's real weird uh it turns out most of the team america is kind of on board and being like oh we're mutants that's interesting and you know we, we want to save this girl and of course wolf you know like i mentioned he's kind of a hothead doesn't really have time for anybody else he's like eh you know i'm not convinced i don't really care what this bald guy has to say I don't really care about this girl, like whatever. I don't even like any of you people. So I don't really even want to be here. <laughs> and of course, Roberto takes offense to that. He's like, you know, it's your own fault that my friend is in danger because you guys turned her into the dark rider in the first place with your weird friggin' mutant power. And that's why she was taken. And like, it's, this is on you. It's your fault. Whether you guys knew you were doing this or not, it's your fault that my friend was taken and she's in mortal danger. And like, how dare you? And all this stuff. And you know, it's, uh, I, I, I'm on Roberto's side here, you know, like, uh, it's not really their fault, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's their fault. Like that's, that was their, how did none of them figure it out? Whatever. Um, either way, ex at this point, Xavier is like, okay, you know what? I have to apologize for my teenage students. They, uh, the raging hormones, they, they tend to overreact to everything. So he pretty much sends them on their way. He's like, new mutants, get the heck out of here. I don't even know why I brought you here in the first place. You're just making everything worse. So get out of here. He sends them away. And then he's like, all right, here's the deal. Team America, you need to go steal this thing to give it to Viper to get my student back. So I'm going to train you guys on how to use your mutant powers. Cause that's kind of what I do. And that's, like the end of the issue, you know, he, he pretty much tells the new mutants to buzz off and, uh, tells team America, you're not, you're my new favorite team of students. And the new mutants take that to be, you know, this, this major breach of trust and sign of disrespect and all that. So, so they're like, all right, fine. We'll save Danny on our own, like to heck with this guy. And, and that's how issue number five <laughs> comes to an end. So it's, I still don't know why team America was involved in the first place. Hopefully as we go through this next issue, something will spark my remembrance. I'll be like, Oh yeah, they, they did explain why <laughs> team America had to be here for this. Oh no, the uncomfortable silence. All right. Bear with me, uh, listeners as, uh, the issue pulls up. Usually I just kind of cut this part out, but I'm kind of recording on the fly. So hopefully it pops up soon. Maybe I'll just stop this real quick and just jump back in as soon as it pops up. Again, apologize <laughs> for this uh, unprofessional interlude. All right, Bob, sorry about that. Yeah, like I said, usually I kind of cut that awkward stuff the silences and and the weird stuff i usually just cut that stuff out but i'm kind of recording 
on the fly here. And so I don't have access to all of my usual editing tools. <laughs> so I do apologize. But here we are with New Mutants number six. Uh, again, Chris Claremont, Sal Buscema as pencilers, uh, and well, as writer and penciler. Uh, this time we have A. Gill and J. Tartag as the finishers, so the, the inkers. Uh, and I'm not familiar with either of these names, and that's why I'm just giving the, uh, I guess, the initial, you know, because that's how it's listed here in the issue. And and I don't have a point of reference on, on who these folks are. We have uh, Janice Chang at, on letters and George Rousseau's on colors. So not the usual team of Orzakowski and Glynis Ween on uh, letters and colors, but you can't really tell that big of a difference, at least not in this particular issue. So this issue ends, or excuse me, begins, if you remember the last issue ended with the New Mutants saying, we'll find Danny on our own because Xavier is a, <laughs> because Professor Xavier is a jerk. For whatever reason, they can't see that uh, Xavier is just helping Team America so that he can send them in so that they can rescue Danny. Why they can't see that is beyond me, but then it wouldn't make for a good comic if everyone was always super reasonable. Um, I'm looking at you, Walking Dead. I don't know, listeners, bubs, if you've ever read the Walking Dead series. It's a great series. I love it. I absolutely love the Walking Dead from uh, Kirkman and more. But everyone is so reasonable. You know, it's like it, it takes a couple of sentences and stuff. And then everyone's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go ahead with that plan and, and, and whatever. <laughs> Either way, this issue begins where the last one left off with the new mutants on their own, trying to find Danny. So they know they're looking for silver samurai and Viper. And thanks to Shan's background, her uncle is a, also a Vietnamese expat. Although he resides in San Francisco, and even though on paper he is a legitimate businessman, he is actually the crime czar of the Bay Area, according to this little snippet of dialogue. Well, not dialogue, but uh, narration that we get. You know, Claremont always likes to set the scene. And so in this case, he kind of gives us a background on who Shan's uncle is and mentions that, you know, all of the organized crime in the Bay Area is run through this guy, General uh, Nguyen Nok Khoi. And I am sure that I'm saying all of that wrong, and I do apologize. So it starts off, they're in his penthouse in some building in San Francisco, and they just bust in. You know, Sam is cannonballing in through the ceiling, and Roberto is just sunspot strength. You know, he's just busting the door down, and they're just shoving their way in this group of you know the the four new mutants that we have left here cannonball sunspot karma and wolfsbane and they they jump in they uh they scare off some ladies uh car uh, shan actually has to use her karma powers to kind of because they're armed you know they're not just regular ladies they also happen to be you know, assassins and bodyguards and things like that too so as soon as the new mutants bust the doors down they they pull their firearms and and Shan has to kind of karma them away. She takes possession of them, makes them drop their guns and, and think that they have to leave. At that point, the general starts trying to run away and he's chased down by Wolfsbane and everything. And at that point, karma then comes over and, and takes over his mind and pretty much says like, if you don't tell us where we can find Viper 
and her silver samurai lackey guy, I'm going to make you walk off of your own balcony. And in Claremont's little scene setting narration, we know that he is on the penthouse of a, of a high rise right in the middle of like downtown San Francisco. So having him walk off his balcony, that's not like he's going to fall 10 feet and he'll be fine. It means that he's going to fall hundreds of feet. Right. So obviously to his certain doom. So she's trying to to scare him uh, and he calls her bluff. He's like, look, here's the deal. You don't kill people because you're weak and you think you're a hero. I know you're not going to kill me. So I have no incentive to tell you what you need. He goes, but, you know, however, I'm a businessman, you know, so information can always be purchased. So he's like, I'll tell you where you can find them. But. In exchange, I want you, Karma, Shan, I want you to work for me for a whole year. No questions asked. Do exactly what I say. And yeah, you agree to that. And I will tell you where you can find Viper. And at first, Shan's like, no way, I can't do that. Uh, but she has a, a pretty quick change of heart because literally as soon as she says, nope, not going to work for you, her you know, her shoulder angel is immediately like, yeah, but what about Danny? And so she almost immediately for a change of heart is like, yeah, well, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, tell me where I can find Viper. We're going to go fight her, save my friend. And then I'll be back for, you know, my year of servitude. Of course, the other new mutants are like, Shan, no, you can't. But Shan's like, look, it's, it's either I say yes and we go get Danny or I say no and we don't get Danny back. Because again, you know, for whatever reason, the New Mutants are all just assuming that Xavier has abandoned Danny, abandoned the New Mutants, and is just going to hang out with his cool motorcycle buddies now. <laughs> Which is, of course, not the case. Like, he's just teaching them how to use their mutant power to, uh, you know, summon the Dark Rider. So specifically, so that they can go get this thing in Mexico and give it to Viper in exchange for... Danny's life. But again, you know, <laughs> I went on that whole thing at the beginning about, you know, how teenagers, it's always, oh, it's the end of the world and it's the worst thing that's going to happen ever. And so we have to, it, we have to treat it as such when I mean, it's like, no, it's the adults have it under control, but whatever. At that point, Shan's going to go sell herself into servitude in order to save her friend's life. Because as teenagers, they just assume that's the only possibility. It's the only way to save their friend. So at that point, then we go check in with Team America, who is in the Sonora province in New Mexico, on their way to cross over the border into Mexico itself and the Sierra Madre mountain range, where this fortress is said to be that has whatever MacGuffin it is that Viper needs. Uh, at one point, you know, they're kind of arguing with each other because Wolf is a jerk and that's just, he just argues with everybody. Xavier even has to like pop in and kind of scold them telepathically from, you know, thousands of miles away. Like you guys are acting like friggin' jerks. Knock it off. Like, did you forget there's like a 14 year old girl's life on the line here? And the only reason why you guys are here is to make amends for the fact that your weird mutant power is what got her kidnapped in the first place. Uh, and so uh, at that point, the leader, Honcho, is like, you know what? Weird, bald, pink, glowing head in the sky is right. We're acting like freaking kids. We got to start acting like adults because an actual kid is in danger right now. So they get their act together. 
we check in and we find out that Xavier and Lalandra are in the Blackbird, which is parked on some random, uh, you know, the California bank of the Colorado River. So they're in Southern California somewhere because he had sent the new mutants into San Francisco to get them out of their hair, apparently forgetting that Shan's uncle, who is a criminal, you know, a, a criminal who probably knows where Viper would be is in San Francisco as well. Uh, and so he's kind of there. He's got a headache, you know, because he's trying to keep tabs on them mentally, which is probably a pain. I would not want to be in the minds of like five teenagers, uh, while at the same time, he's also in the minds of these adults who are acting like friggin teenagers all the way down on the New Mexico slash Mexico border. You know, so he's he's spread himself thin mentally right in the middle of where these two storylines are kind of taking place. And it, it is, it's taking its toll on him mentally. Landra has to come over and be like, relax, bro. Like, you've got this. I love you, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, okay. Then we, we go and check in with Danny and we see that she is still being held prisoner in Viper's lair, which is like on some cliff in Big Sur, California. Um, and again, we, uh, we're about to get a little bit of the silver samurai backstory here. Uh, he's actually watching Danny on some monitors as uh, Danny is imprisoned and she's uh, like go, kind of running the, the gamut of emotions here. Like I hate being a teenager who's helpless and trapped and everything. And, and this sucks, but like, I swear if I can get out of here, you know, whoever has been imprisoning me, is going to be sorry. And so Silver Samurai is like watching her on this monitor and he's thinking like, gosh, you know, what a look. There is passion and untamed spirit in this child that rivals even vipers, you know? And he's like, I wonder if Xavier even knows like how strong-willed and and awesome this this teenage girl is. And as she, he's watching her on the monitor, Viper comes in as well. And she's just kind of like asking, like, how's the guests doing, you know? And uh, <laughs> Silver Samurai is like, yeah, we should probably kill her uh, because she looks super dangerous. She actually reminds me a lot of you, Viper. And Viper's like, oh, you know, nonsense and whatever. It's, uh, you know, that's why I'm going to take pleasure in, in killing her <laughs> eventually for, you know, showing me that thing that she did last uh, issue. Uh, but she's, she's like, well, I'm in this room, you know, let, let me check on, check in on you. You know, how are you doing? Why do you seem so upset? She asks him, you know, what ails you, Kenny Uchio? I do not wish to pry, but of late you've seemed preoccupied. Uh, which I guess makes sense because the last few issues, obviously not last issue where he went in and got the Dark Rider and got out, but over the course of all of his appearances and Marvel team up, he kind of messed up a little bit not a whole lot he just enough to get himself thrown in jail where she had to break him out and just enough where he failed his mission and he explain he, he says at this point you know yashida shingen is dead and then he says he was my father so for those of us who were following following along and who have read wolverine volume one the the four issue wolverine miniseries by chris claremont and frank miller they will have known that at that point, Wolverine went to Japan to check on Lady Mariko, who was the love of his life. He had been writing her letters, and it's eventually, at one point, she stopped responding. He was in the Canadian wilderness for a while. He comes back home and finds that all of her letters have been, like, you know, returned to sender unopened. And he's like, whoa, 
this ain't normal. So he hightailed it over to Japan to figure out what was going on. And we find out Clan Yoshida uh, was embroiled in some criminal enterprises. And, you know, Mariko had been wed to some jerk, uh, pretty much against her will, just for the sake of the family's honor and everything. And uh, Wolverine, thanks to help from uh, Yukio, is able to kind of free Mariko from this shame, you know, by killing her father, Shingen Yashida. Well, we just now find out her father is also Silver Samurai's father. So they are brother and sister. And he reveals that Shingen Yashida is dead. And so at this point, Viper says, well, I'm sorry to hear that because I know how much you know, Lord Yashida meant to you. And how about after this, we go back to Japan and we let you claim your inheritance. And at that point he yells, you know, I have no inheritance. My place, Shingen said, you know, upon his death, I would become Lord of the clan, Lord of clan Yashida. But my place has been usurped by his daughter, Mariko, and she has announced her betrothal to a gaijin, a former, or no, excuse me, a foreigner, the X-Man Wolverine. I have no land, no name. I am nothing. And it might seem petty, you know, uh, oh, you know, poor rich kid doesn't have his rich stuff anymore. But of course, that's not really the case. And we learn that later on. But for a for a warrior, for a samurai, you know, title and inheritance, this is a major thing. And to have it usurped by someone who you see as inferior or someone not worthy, you know, that is a big shame. And so he pretty much says, like, we have to go to Japan and, and kill them. Like, yes, I agree with you. We'll go to Japan and, and claim my inheritance. But like by doing that, we're going to have to go to Japan and like, kill Mariko and kill Wolverine. Like that's what we have to do in order for Silver Samurai to take back the clan. And uh, it, it sets the stage for Uncanny X-Men 172 and 173, which I covered back way, way back when, way back in 2018, matter of fact, uh, in Talkin' Snicked episode 12. So after this episode, go back and listen to Talking Snicked episode 12 for that refresher, that that uh, the, the refresher on um, Uncanny X-Men 172 and 173. Go back and listen to that and then stop because I actually cover four issues on that episode. I also cover uh, episode or excuse me, issues 56 and 57 of Wolverine volume two. But next week's episode is actually going to cover a story arc that takes place before those two issues. So after this episode, go back and listen to episode 12, the first half, and then stop and then tune in next week and then go and then go back and, and, and finish it. I'll give you I'll, I'll tell you all this again at the end. Either way, here we are in this place called Black Mesa in Mexico. Team America has arrived. They break in. They find out that this is actually an aim facility. You know, the guys with the fun yellow costumes and the little yellow bucket head things that they wear, which incidentally are some of my favorite minion looks <laughs> they're so ridiculous and like their hazmat suits but also science suits and i like that they're just they, they look funny they, they look like eraser head uh no they look like they have erasers for heads not they look like eraser head that's not that's not right either way they go in there there's like some sort of a crystal thing that they're supposed to steal so they do and then 
it sets off some weird psychic attack. You know, Xavier, who had been connected by mind link to all these characters, when they grab the crystal, there's like this weird explosion at the at the Black Mesa facility, and it like knocks everyone out, and it gives Xavier like this really powerful mental pain. He says it's like a rogue mutant that uh, that called out. So either way, we go back then to Big Sur, and now we see, you know, Team America stormed Black Mesa. Now we get to see the New Mutants storm Big Sur, you know, Viper's estate. And while they're there, Shan also hears some weird mutant voice in her head. Uh, she calls out, you know, she kind of screams, and the New Mutants are like, hey, are you okay? Uh, but the scream is enough to alert the guards. They put a searchlight down. They see the New Mutants are there, you know, intruders, uh, sound the alarm and all that. Uh, so unfortunately at this point, you know, the new mutants kind of have to, uh, abandon stealth and just kind of go for, uh, force. So Sam immediately jumps into cannonball mode and he cannonballs his way through a bunch of guards at this point, Sam, or excuse me, Roberto had a bunch of solar energy saved up. So he grabs this like semi truck and just like chucks it at the wall. Uh, Karma comes over and gets a bunch of the guards to just like leave their post at one point, one of the guards like shoots the wall and it just so happens to be the wall where Danny's um, the wall to Danny's cell. So then she is able to break out and everything. Um, and at this point, she actually comes across Rain, who has this big slash down her side and she's just kind of laying in a pool of blood unconscious. Um, and as she's checking on Rain is when. Uh, silver samurai appears and he's like yeah that was supposed to be a killing blow just like this one is going to be and so he he goes to swing at danny uh, but we don't get to see what happens we have to go check in with the uh team america one more time team america they've they've recovered and they're trying to escape from black mesa and make their way back into the united states in through new mexico but now they are being followed by you know aim guards guards that didn't die in the black mesa explosion i guess uh, they are chasing them down so at this point you know team america uh they summon the black rider once more uh, the black rider takes possession of wolf and uh, wolf is able pretty much to fight all these aim guys off and then we see the scene change once again. We are back at Vipers now. Silver Samurai has his blade. He is poised to deliver the killing blow to Danny when in through the hole in the wall comes flying Cannonball. Sam grabs Silver Samurai and kind of flies him, slams him down onto the ground. Silver Samurai is on his feet in seconds, ready to uh, to counter this move from from Sam, but Roberto is, is running up in his sunspot form. He punches Silver Samurai, knocking him back into a wall. He's running at him one more time to uh, to, to throw another punch, and right when he gets there, he, he kind of lunges, and Silver Samurai teleports away. He teleports to wherever it is that Viper is. And we see further in this complex, Viper is kind of in a standoff with Karma. Uh, Shan is trying to take control of Viper's mind. Viper is resisting when at last Harada appears and he yells Viper and it's enough to distract Viper. She yells Harada, you fool. And then Karma is then able to take control of Viper's mind. And uh, she turns Viper 
on the silver samurai you know she she has viper aim her gun at the silver samurai luckily you know silver samurai being a martial arts expert he just kind of karate chops uh, viper on like the side of the head enough to knock her out and the the psychic backlash actually physically harms karma enough that she is now distracted uh although silver samurai is like as much as i would like to defeat you in combat now that is a pleasure that I'm going to leave to Viper since, you know, you defiled her by taking control of her mind. And at that point he grabs Viper and he just teleports out of there. We then go to check back in with Xavier. We see that team America has uh, reconnected with him. At least most of the team. We think that two of the team America guys were defeated by aim, but as they are about to take off, uh, we see Wolf and uh, the redheaded guy. I think his name is Reddy. Uh, they arrive, and it's like, oh, good. You know, all of Team America is still alive. You know, phew, that's that's great. Uh, back in Big Sur, all of the New Mutants are reunited as well, and it feels so good. They're all super glad that everyone is okay. They're glad that Danny has been freed. Uh, but they're worried about rain because, you know, she's laying on the ground unconscious, bleeding. Although I think by now she's awake and she's crying. But they've decided, like, we need to get her into, you know, we need to get some medical attention because she's she's seriously injured. Uh, but then at that point, Danny's like, hey, Shan, you know, rain told me what you did and that's not cool. Like, we got to get you out of this. You can't uh, you can't go work for your uncle. You know, this is my debt to repay. And Shan's like, you know, nonsense. At that point, Xavier, now that, you know, Team America is back, he is able to get in contact with the New Mutants because he doesn't have to split his mind telepathically anymore. And the first thing he does is he's like, Karma, what have you done? Like, how dare you? I, I told you to contact me if you were to move, if you were going to move against Viper. And, and Karma's like, yeah, well, I was trying to reach you telepathically and you were, ignore, you know, you were blowing me off. You were ignoring me to play with your, your new favorite motorcycle club and all this. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, nonsense. Uh, I was just busy trying to get this other thing so that we can get it to get Danny back in the first place. He's like, stay where you are. We're in the Blackbird. We're going to come get you now. Um, and then at that point, we see Silver Samurai and Viper are on a boat in Big Sur, far enough away from the compound that uh, they can blow it up. And so they do. Silver Samurai clicks a button. The whole... Uh, complex goes, you know, kablooey and Xavier just yells out like, no, like we have to get to California as soon as possible. I fear the worst and the issue is over. <laughs> so like a pretty dramatic ending to all of this, uh, but I wanted to cover the story. I know it's mostly a new mutant story and it's mostly to sell, you know, team America toys, I guess I going back through these issues. I still haven't, I, I don't know why it needed to be them. Like why Xavier and the new mutants couldn't have just went and got Danny back. You know, they could very has have easily have said that, you know, Viper needed to kidnap Danny to use her powers to get the thing that she needed to get in Mexico. Anyway, like why this whole other story, I don't really know why they were even in there because this, the whole storyline, uh, all it did was serve to separate the new mutants from Xavier, which they didn't even need to do. Like they could have contrived some other reason why Viper needed to kidnap one of the new mutants 
and we would have had the same story nevertheless. But I wanted to cover this one because it sets the stage for Silver Samurai and his identity moving forward. This is the storyline where we learn his name, we learn that he is the son of Shingen Yashida, we learn that he was promised leadership of Clan Yashida, and that, you know, he is the brother of Lady Mariko, and so now he has a personal connection to Wolverine. You know, this is the story that's like, oh, hey, he's connected to Wolverine in some way. And, you know, he goes on to be one of Wolverine's maybe not greatest villains, because if you look at the appearances of Silver Samurai, it's not, he's not as prolific as like Sabretooth. He doesn't feature into as many stories as characters like Sabretooth. But of all the villains that Wolverine has, he has one of the more personal connections to Wolverine being the brother of, in my opinion, Wolverine's greatest love interest, Lady Mariko. And so I wanted to cover these two issues and get that Silver Samurai backstory established. Like I was saying, uh, make sure you go back after listening to this, go back, listen to episode 12 of Talk and Snick, listen to my coverage of Uncanny X-Men 172 and 173, and then stop there, tune in next week for the next episode, and then go back and finish episode 12, where I cover Wolverine volume two issues 56 and 57, because next week I am covering a one-off story called Wolverine Doombringer, which has Wolverine and the silver samurai having to team up to take on, well, this thing called the Doombringer. Uh, they have to team up. It has to do with Wolverine. It has to do with Lady Mariko. It has to do with Clan Yashida. And it's really important to see that going into Wolverine Volume 2, issues 56, 57, which was the death of Mariko. And that was really what uh, established Silver Samurai as being worthy of taking on Clan Yashida in the first place. So again, go back and check all of that stuff out. So, Bubs, if you like the show and want to keep the conversation going, you can reach out to me on Instagram at TalkinSnicked or reach out to me via email, TalkSnicked at gmail.com. Stay tuned to the end of the episode and check out the track, Back from the Dead, composed and performed by the talented musician Retcon X. It's been a few years since he's put out any new stuff but he did a bunch of original music inspired by the X-Men, and it can all still be found on Spotify and YouTube. So stay to the end, listen to the song, and then go check out all the rest of his stuff at those aforementioned places. Until next time, bubs. <laughs>